Welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. Today, I'm joined by the co-founders of Xpero, uh, Sebastian Good and Lynn Posick. I guess we'll start off with asking you guys your thoughts on how running a consultancy is different than running, say, like a software product company. Great question. How is how is software product company different than consulting? So there's so many different angles that you could attack this from. Um, when I think of uh, first and foremost, I guess being a consultant, um, you know, what makes it exciting for me is that people come in with all sorts of different challenges all the time. It could be a technology challenge. It could be a design challenge. It could be a challenge within a specific industry because there's some shakeup going on and some disruption, right? They want to take advantage of. So you, you never know kind of from one day to the next, like what you're going to focus on necessarily, what the challenge is going to be versus a product company, which is equally exciting to have this like mission where everybody's focused on like, you know, the same context or the same set of things. Um, and when you do consulting, you, you kind of have that across sometimes it's a sector or you align across a technology or a skill set, but you also have this other layer of like kind of this excitement of like, you know, what, what's going to happen next? Who's going to come through the door, you know, and how are we going to pivot and, you know, work on um, something different? So that's one perspective. There's lots of different, <laughs> there's lots of different ways to slice and dice this question from people to, to finances to strategies. So I give Sebastian a chance to, to join in. So one thing I always think of, you're right, Lynn, is that there's a lot of different problems you solve. And at a product company, there's a lot of problems too, but consultants, especially at a company like ours that has you know, expertise across a lot of industries, you get to learn a lot as you go, right? So to me, that's one of the benefits. You're always learning at a software product company as well, but more typically about a, a narrower set of technologies and a narrower set of expertises, you know, domain uh, expertise, as we call it sometimes, because you're solving that problem, you know, deeply. I love getting paid to go learn about how oil reservoirs are filled one year and then how fixed income, you know, treasuries are traded another year and how to predict when the almond trees will bloom the next year, right? I mean, yep. what a blessing to be paid to do that. That to me is exciting. But the other thing that I think is really different at a consulting company that you just get very little of, I think, at most product companies is that everyone at a consulting company is on stage. Right. There's a few people at our company that are in very like operationally focused roles that may not talk to customers very often, but that is very much the exception. Um, we are all in front of customers all the time and are on stage, right? Sometimes quite literally on a video call, but you know, our our every action, as it were, is is scrutinized and we have to kind of perform. It's a services job, right? It's, it's part therapy, it's part delivery, it's part entertainment, it's part imagination. Um, and you know, frankly, that's that is exciting to me. That's why I'm mm -hmm. that's why I'm in it. I think you get a ton of great feedback and empowerment and kind of improvisation when you work with clients. Like when I'm done with a successful scoping or pre-sales meeting, which is what I do most of the time these days. Um, and there's a real high there because I was interacting with people and learning things and pushing myself to go sort of perform. There's definitely a kind of person who hears that and says, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. on a stage. I want to be behind the stage, you know, making the show work, which is also great and important. But to me, yeah. that's one of the biggest differences is, is the opportunity to be on stage, which is 
pretty fun. Yeah, uh, I'll, I guess I'll add to that. And so it, it is it is interesting to think of it as a performance. It's also like if, if I put my product hat on and, and uh, you know, having worked for both product companies and consultancies, um, being able to be out there with the clients and with our clients' customers um, and everybody has opportunity just about, with the exception of, you know, a few ops roles, as you mentioned, to be in that role where sometimes at a product company, um, you know, there's a few people that get to be on that front line, really touching mm-hmm. the customers and getting that input. And as consultants, you're in it and you're, you're in there with the client and often the client's customers facing all the time and learning and hearing kind of firsthand, like what's going on, what's going on in their market, how, you know, how should we be ad- addressing that, right? And you're sort of at the front line of being able to soak it all in and get that information as opposed to, uh, in a product company, there are some people whose role it is to do that, and then everyone else kind of <laughs> is away from that front line, often kind of buffered from it. And depending on what you have appetite for, you know, I love, of course, being on the front line and, and digging in there, you know, and actually being out in the market, uh, which isn't for everybody. But I think that's also one of the great things about, you know, sort of the performances you put is, is the, the you're performing, but you're out there also really digging into the market yeah, and users it. and yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the other thing I'll add that uh, I, I think you learn a lot at a consulting company is you become very, um, I mean, our consulting company builds software products. So, you know, a lot of the actual things we do day to day are the exact things people go do at a mm-hmm. product company. They're exactly the same because we're all building software products. But I have in my career really gotten such an appreciation for um, pace. Right. There are some things we do at Expiro that have to be done in four weeks because we're telling a story and there's just no time to talk about code quality. Right. That's not a thing. It's about storytelling and it's about imagination and understanding the problem and just surviving by your wits. And then there's some things where we support real fire breathing systems for four years and go all the way to the ends of the earth on quality and memory management and keeping the code clean and, you know, support and being exposed to all those different paces of product imagination and product development and knowing how to use them as a tool, I think is actually a bit of a superpower that consultants have that is often sort of Mm -hmm. missed at a product company because product companies are, you know, usually have a small group of people that's in charge of some of the early prototyping and storytelling and a much larger group of people that is doing, you know, the building. Now, the smaller your startup is, the more it feels like the stuff I'm talking about, but, but that variety of, uh, of pace and engagement and, and becoming good at using the right kind of team and the right kind of speed to solve a problem, I think is a, is a big difference too. Mm-hmm. This sounds fun. We should work at a company like this, Lynn. I like, we, what, we we're, uh, I like what you're saying here. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for growth too, right? Because it's consulting is equal parts, uh, actually building and knowing sort of the tech or the design parts of it but also the, the human aspects, right? The, the getting on the front lines, talking to people, uh, you know, it's equal parts communication, uh, you know, figuring out, reading a room, seeing how things are going, suggesting, backing up, taking that feedback in, suggesting again, you know, and mm-hmm. not, not taking things personally, uh, you know, things like that. It really helps you grow more, uh, you know, horizontally, breadth-wise. Uh, I think so. It's, it's great. It puts yeah. you. It constantly puts you out of your comfort zone, uh, you know, because you're at the front lines with your tools, excited, uh, and sometimes you don't know what's going to happen, but you're there and you're ready to ready to do it. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a downside that that we should mention, 
which is you know one of the classic digs against consultants in the software development space is well they come and they go right so that that can be a weakness of the model which is someone has paid for you know nine months for someone to come in and go kind of build a version of this system and then off we go and of course we think we did a great job and maybe we even did a great job but then we're gone and I don't know if you ever call the plumber, but the plumber's first job is to say the last plumber screwed it up, right? I mean, that happens in software too, where a team then gets built to take that product forward. And like, oh, those consultants, they thought they were so great. They did this and they didn't really understand. And it may be true. We may not have really understood because we were there for a very brief period of time. So I'm always most excited about the opportunity to work on a really large project over a large time scale or with the same client, you know, and as we've been fortunate to do at Xpiro. You know, we work with some folks for years at a time and that lets you make sure you've got that skin in the game and you're there long enough to really make sort of meaningful, lasting contributions. I, I think that's the, that's sort of the dark side of being consultant is sometimes you're put on stage in a, in, in a situation where, you know, you can be dinged for not knowing everything because you, you were there such a brief period of time. That's probably one of the downsides of being in this business. The Bob's from Office Space really set that stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to talk about downsides, right? It's all fun and light and flowers. Yeah. Well, First thing I'll, is. I'll, I'll add, I think what's, what's kind of like assumed in what we've been talking about also is, as you mentioned, we, we run dangerously close to the sun, let's say, of, of almost being a product company. We do build products for ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And as consultants, we're usually building products for people. So we're, we we uh, don't have to just be really focused on only writing the best, you know, coming in and fixing uh, the XQL or that integration to SAP or whatever it is, right? Like we get to, uh, as we perceive it, do a lot of the fun and really cool stuff where you're bringing a whole product to market or modernizing something, you know, doing something uh, cutting it, but it's, it's, it's the whole solution. And yes, we may need to write some better queries and, you know, uh, fix that database or whatever it is around it, but there's a means to an end of being able to light up a whole new experience or a bunch of new features and functionality. And we get to do both, which is, I, I'm realizing as we're talking and I'm thinking about other people I know that, that, that do consulting and sometimes, unfortunately, how myopic they have to be. And it's like, really, you know, they get to do just one piece and then off into the ether it goes for someone else to pick up that gets to really bring right. a solution to market. And the fact that we get to do all that is I'm listening to us talk, I'm like, that's still pretty special. Like the way... <laughs> Yeah, and we actually do get to focus a lot on on product, and it's just like one little piece. Even though we are a consultancy, right? Like you know, and it <clears throat> or consultancies like ours, I should say, that, you know, that do that. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that really speaks to kind of like the unique blend of talent that we have here at Xpero. Um, just that we have the kind of people who are able to do that and hop across kind of different disciplines and maybe not be an expert in both disciplines, but know enough to like get the ground running and be able to have that communication. But so I, I guess the question that comes out of that is how do you how do you hire for a culture like that? Or like, how do you, um, as you grow the company, because we've grown a lot since I joined, as you kind of grow the company, how do you, how do you make sure that it stays together and, and continues to be what you want it to be? Oh man. What a brilliant question, Jesus. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> it's. I, I agree. That's probably one of the hardest problems that we face. So I, I think one of the most important answers is to, to how do you hire people is that you have to start with great people. And, you know, this is pretty common. People talk about 
working in consulting or working in industry, sort of the stereotype is a lot of the people in consulting are are sort of more switched on or or you know better at their jobs or whatever. I'm not sure that's entirely true, but that's the impression. But I, I think that talent recognizes talent, right? So when we go interview someone or talk about the kind of work we do, like like we are in this conversation or showing demos of what we do, I think people identify with the kind of work we do first. They'll say, oh, that's interesting. I would love to be able to build something at that pace or at that scale or solve the, you know, that kind of problem, right? Um, and they'll, they'll self-identify as being ambitious enough uh, or creative enough uh, to, to go tackle a problem like that or, or wanting to learn enough to be able to go do that. And then we put some thought into our recruiting process uh, to make sure that recruits talk to enough people to get an idea of the skills, you know, that the people they'll be working with have. And, and that gets to the root of kind of how we approach interviewing and recruiting, which is, you know, all the science shows that most interviews are actually bad, almost, almost worse than not having them because they tend to reinforce, you know, people hiring people like themselves and hiring for confidence instead of skill and such. So aside from some light upfront screening to separate sort of bozos out because there are still people who apply for jobs that you know they're not qualified for or whatever very small minority you still have to worry about we really want to get to work with a person as quickly as possible and i think that helps us do two things when we're hiring people we can evaluate someone in a more natural environment by working with them hey let's solve this problem together um, as opposed to let's whiteboard some code, right? That doesn't happen in real life, right? No matter <laughs> no matter what we're building, we're never writing code on whiteboards. So, or or doing you know design on whiteboards as a as a final deliverable. So, we give someone a problem to go design or to go code, and then we'll work with them for several hours after that to improve it together. And that has helped us perform our function of you know, are you a good match for this company? Uh, do you have the, you know, the, the talent or the, the opportunity that we're looking for and helps them understand, gosh, you know, I really liked working with Jesus or Kareem or whoever it was when I did that interview. And that's the kind of person I'd like to work with. So maybe there's a lot of detail about who we look for and why we look for them. Maybe you can talk about Lynn, but I think that's how we get people unified around the mission is because they self-identify with the kind of stuff we're doing and then identify with the people that they're working with. And then once they're here, it's usually pretty easy. They say, gosh, I want to keep working with those people. And then if they leave, they often come back because they say, wow, those, the, turns out those were the people. Yeah, and I just to piggyback on that. Um, absolutely. Like the people are the number one thing. And I, I was just in an interview yesterday and they they asked, you know, well, what, what's, what's the thing that still keeps you, you know, excited about Xperia or whatever? Is it this tech or that tech? Or it was a lot about the technology. And I said, it's the people. That is the number one thing. Technologies come and go, but like having our great people, um, that's what gets me up every day is like, I'm super excited to, to you know, jump in and, and start working um, with all these people. Like, you know, every one of you that I've, <laughs> every time I'm in a meeting with you, I learn something, right? And that's just awesome to be able to do that every single day. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll touch on um, is once people are here, um, culture. So we, we pay quite a bit of attention to our culture and not just, you know, um, you know, how, I don't know how many vacation days did somebody get? Yes. All that stuff's important. But I think, you know, we, we have set a tone of, of 
What we do is pretty amazing and a lot of heavy lifting and whatever your core competency is, but we balance that with an equal amount of fun, right? And we've been, uh, over the last couple of years, especially, and some folks on this call, Kareem, Phil, Jesus, Johnny, you guys have spearheaded all of these special groups that kind of added to our culture, right? So it's everything from like costume contests and swag contests, <laughs> right? To like trivia day and gaming hours on Fridays and coffee times and getting together and like, you know, we, we make sure that there is, there is a people aspect. And I think we've done really a, a particularly good job also in considering the remote aspect. So, but what we haven't talked about at all is, is we, we, uh, we've been remote long before uh, the pandemic. So we've had people all over the U.S. with hubs in Austin and Houston, but all over the U.S. and then in Tenerife and, and other parts of the world. And so, you know, I think, you know, as small companies go, um, we've, we've kind of hit a sweet spot on trying to be remote. I'm sure there's lots of things we could do better, but also being inclusive. And so I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys who are spearheading a lot of those culture things, like thoughts on that or, you know, uh, other things related to kind of what we're talking about, the people and the culture here. Yeah, I second, or I guess third, that it, it really is the people. Like when people ask me <laughs> when I'm, you know, interviewing, uh, you know, what, why have you been here so long? Like the number one hands down reason, you know, are the people that we get to work with. They're fun from the very first day you, uh, you know, join and get to work with them. They're respectful no matter how junior or senior you are. You get to learn from them uh, continuously. Uh, and it's like the, 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 the human, the people aspect is really an unstated and also understated benefit of, you know, working here. It's like not something you'll see in your, you know, monthly payroll or, you know, health insurance. You won't see a thing, a line item for it. But like really the people and the culture we've, you know, developed here is I would say one of the best benefits of working here. It's just amazing. Let, let me say though, that it's actually pretty hard going back to how's a consulting company different? Because I think mm -hmm. if you're at a product company, yeah, if you're big enough, there's multiple missions and big companies have their own issues. But you know, in a sense, you're all on one goal. You're all building this product and, and, and you know, serving people with it. Um, at a consulting company like ours, we have a shared mission that I think people understand pretty well. We go solve really interesting problems and build kind of, you know, software solutions that are kind of at the limits of what can be done, right? We're pushing a lot on, on technology and usability and analytics envelopes. Great. We all kind of have that shared ambition that makes people identify with what we do. But the truth is, at any given time, we're working on 20 different things because we've got 20 different clients. And actually, I think it takes a conscious effort, which Lynn, I agree, I think we've done a good job, but I always feel like it's not good enough because the natural tendency at a company like ours is for people to be identifying with that small mission. And you and me, Lynn, probably see it the least because we see everything as leaders of the company, whereas people on individual client engagements may work for three months or six months focusing on that client's mission, which is interesting and exciting and all that stuff, and then wonder, gosh, what are my buddies doing? You know, what's happening over at client X or, you know, what, what is Johnny doing uh, designing, you know, over in capital markets? What is that all about? So in my mind, most of the effort I feel like I've put into making sure we have mechanisms in the culture um, to share that vision Jesus asked about are, are about making sure we share the stories of what we're building. So like every two weeks we have our all hands meeting and we always have people presenting about what they've done because that's an opportunity 
for someone on team A to find out that someone on team B did something really cool. Maybe they need to go meet that person. Maybe they need to ask about that technology. And, and in that way, as we share each other's stories, we, we can kind of identify with each other. And I think without a lot of conscious effort to do that and some of what we call special interest groups where developers kind of go more in depth on some stuff they're doing or, or designers you know, share that week's interesting designs, it'd be really easy for it to just kind of feel like a little factory. Like, oh yeah, I, I worked on this client for three months. That's like mm-hmm. the bad end case you're trying to avoid. You want to have yeah. it all mixed together so we're all always better for having done so much stuff. Yeah, I think that's helped by what Lim was saying, similarly to having a strong company culture, like having situations not only for us to mix and get to hear what other people are working on day to day or projects that they're having issues with, like in the special interest groups, but even just having opportunities for people to find things that they have in common, maybe outside of work, mm-hmm. uh, finding ways to mix and you know, getting to know your coworkers who, you know, like it, we're a very dispersed company. There are people all over the world, but you still have stuff in common with the people who are over in Europe working yep. crazy different hours from yep. you and, and creating those organic opportunities, whether it's a goofy trivia night or a, a costume contest for Halloween or, you know, whatever it may be, finding those kind of just human ways to create camaraderie, I think is really, really valuable and leads to those opportunities to get to learn from each other uh, much more naturally, I would say. That's right. It's, it's much more natural to go have fun with someone, have a meal with someone. And we do bring everyone together in person every January, right? Except last year um, to facilitate that. But I don't think anyone's going to stay at Expiro because they had a cool coffee break or had beer with someone at a nice steakhouse, right? Like those are just natural human technologies that put humans together. The point of putting them together is for us all to kind of share in the skills and achievements we've had and, you know, get better at them. And that that's what makes people happy is working with other people. So it takes work for us to make those connections happen because of the natural tension in a consulting company to tear people out into these, into these client engagements. So we've been looking kind of internally at what we do as a company and what kind of makes us us. Um, but now I kind of want to talk about some external stuff. Um, one thing I've always been impressed by is our ability to land really big clients um relative to our size at least like we 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 tend to punch above our weight a lot um and so it'd be awesome to hear your thoughts on like how we manage to do that or the kinds of things that make us unique to be able to actually do that well in part that's an indictment of our modern uh system where uh there's no meaningful antitrust enforcement and so the big guys do all the work but maybe that's a topic for a different kind of podcast Lynn, what do you think? Why do we land these big guys? Why, why do you know really great consulting companies, for instance, even uh, find us to be a useful ally to them, or you know, big research groups, big product groups? What, what, what do we have to offer the hundred thousand person company? So, continuing on our our previous thread, I mean, people. So we'll we'll put that at the, the top of the list. I, I I do think our people make make a big difference. Where Often, uh, you know, as Sebastian was saying, you know, with consulting, it's always the, the you know, the, the last people clearly screw this up. People are going to come in and fix it. And that's, that's, there's some truth to that sometimes. Most of, most of the time, that's, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we're, we're uh, pulled in. Companies have been trying to solve certain problems on their own for quite a while. Um, and they, they reach out because they believe we have a particular, sometimes a more bespoke expertise or just it's we have 
all of these different skills that work together under one roof, right? And so they believe we can come in as we do and accelerate them. Um, and so, you know, solving some of those hard problems that people have been trying to chip away at and maybe, you know, we get we get in there and are kind of known for certain things and can can go in and do that. I think that, that's one enabler. Um, we have great partners uh, as well. So there are some partners um, that get us uh, <laughs> to enable us to punch above our weight and get us into rooms we otherwise maybe wouldn't be in. Um, because we are partnered with them, maybe uh, in a consulting capacity, maybe it's in a technology capacity where they're uh, uh, bringing certain technologies to bear that we have expertise in or even reselling some of our technology, right, um, mm -hmm. that, that lands us in the room. So I, there, there's lots of different tactical ways that we do it. But I, I do think an overarching is, is still the people and our, our capability to deliver across disciplines um, with, with everybody kind of firing on all those cylinders and being able to come in and, and do things uh, that, that companies have not been able to either accomplish on their own or, you know, with, with previous, uh, you know, groups that, that might have, have tried to tackle some similar problems. But I don't know, Sebastian, what do you think? Yeah, well, so I, I think there's actually a couple pretty simple things that help you do that. It's just that you need remarkable people to do those things that mm -hmm. sound simple. So one of them, a great example, partners, right? Um, let's just use a concrete example. OpenFin is an interesting technology provider uh, on, on Wall Street. They doesn't really matter what they do, but they've deployed a very interesting and useful solution out to hundreds of thousands of users in major banks. Well, gosh, we know a lot about financial services and capital markets, but we're just little old Xperia. Who knows anything about us? Well, in that case, it's a wonderful uh, uh, pairing because OpenFin already is in all these places and can facilitate introductions, but they're not, their job is to build their product. Um, their job is not necessarily to solve the problem of the day over at you know, Large Bank X. Um, our job is to solve problems. So that partner network of technologists uh, um, and, and other kinds of companies is the way we get in. So it's just a, a simple mechanical thing. Go find partners that are complimentary to you. But there's a lot of art in, in working productively with those partners, making it a win-win sure. situation, right? Make, making sure they get something out of it, making sure you get something out of it. And that like, do we like their software? Do they like our people, right? That, that can be hard to get right, but basically just find good partners. And then the second thing is um, having that ability to use a group of people to tell a story. I think that's what's missing so much. Big companies have big problems and they don't need like one person to come in and code something up or draw their one screen or fix that one little Python notebook. That's that's not really their problem. Usually if a big company is going outside and asking for help, they have a big ambition. They need to go you know, utilize their hydroelectric dams more effectively. They need to go fix an entire corner of the bond market. They need to make, you know, California's almond harvest more productive, right? Like these are the kinds of problems we're, we're solving. And you don't win a deal like that by showing someone a database table, right? You have to tell a story. We can use your highly sophisticated demographic data combined with advanced analytics and great storytelling technology to help you fill your university class with the sort of diverse and ambitious and interesting and able to pay students uh, that you're looking for, right? That's not a story about a database and it's not a story about, you know, uh, machine learning method number 107. It's, it's a story about mm -hmm. filling the university class or making the almond crop better. And 
you can only tell that story with people from lots of different areas of expertise, designers and developers and analysts and product people. So it's pretty simple. Just go tell the story. But it's pretty hard because you need to kind of all sing from the same from the same book. I think that's how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think back to being consultants, being able to tell those stories, right? Just as you, you, you were giving examples there where it's not about selling that particular database or selling skills around, you know, hey, well, we can do something with this graph database. We have all these great skills. It's about the story um, of, of what that's going to enable, right? And you got to get as a consultant, but part of the performance is getting good at telling those stories because some people in the that's room right. will care about the technology. Other people will care more about, uh, you know, maybe the business analytic that they're going to move, but everybody comes together and understands the story. Right. And so whenever we can put that out front and then our role and our partners roles and our individual contributor roles, whatever, to, to light up that story, it's, it's a great point. Um, that, that's definitely one way that, um, you know, we, we've gotten to be able to kind of punch above our weight um, is the amazing, the magnitude of the stories that we and our partners and, and other individuals are able to light up. Part of it's really, you know, being invited and just getting the foot in the door. And then there's the other aspect of why a lot of our clients keep bringing us back for larger and larger projects, right? And so helping us uh, in that regard as well. And it's, you know, it's really twofold. One is, uh, you know, we've been told, hey, we want you guys to work on this because we like working with you guys, right? You feel like you're a part of the team. You bring lots of good feedback. And that's the sort of the human, the people aspect uh, yet again, right? common theme throughout, right? Um, it's it's basically they love the people that they work with. Um, and so they they want to continue that relationship. And it's that relationship building part of it that they enjoy. And then the other part is, hey, we don't just talk about our work. We we show it, right? And once they see what we can do and, you know, such short timeframes and like the vagueness areas that we work in, uh, it, it really impresses them. They want to see more and more of it. They can't get enough. And so, so both of those things helped, uh, you know, not just get us in the door, but really help keep growing that relationship and that engagement. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll add to that one, it's kind of a little bit more tactical, but there's different ways to tell a story. And I think one of the things that we do and that we have in common with several of our partners is sort of this show and sell approach to telling a story, right? So a story sounds good and you get people to unify over that. But being able to quickly put together that vision, even in a low fidelity way that brings something more concrete to the table, right? So it might be a few screens kind of strung together. It might be a great data visualization of how we imagine, you know, the prediction to, to, to roll out of, of, of the, the almond harvest or whatever it is, right? Um, but we, we, we marry some concrete things, some, some visuals, some wireframes, uh, maybe it's standing something up in a notebook, you know, like a Jupyter notebook or whatever, um, what, whatever that is to, to bring that, that concreteness to the story and, and sort of illustrate it, if you will, to, to further the vision beyond just the words, you know. So I guess the final question would be, how would you guys summarize who Xpero is and kind of how we got where we are today? Those are really two different questions, aren't they? Right? Because yeah. every okay. every organization goes through a journey. We're actually 20 years old this fall. 
And if I told you what we are now, which I'd be happy to take a shot at, it wouldn't be anything like what we were 15 years ago. But I, I, I want Lynn to take a shot. I, I want to hear your answer. Uh, well, so uh, I agree with Sebastian, what, what we have grown into today, I think there's some things that are the same. I think the stem cells were there, like on the culture um, and, and this this lust for craving the, the more complex, the really hard problems, the things that really make your brain, you know. Uh, chew on, on the problems to solve them. Um, so I, I think I think those stem cells have always been there, and kind of what we've aimed that at, and how the culture has grown around it, you know, has has changed. Um, so you know, I think even though we're a consultancy, it's sort of at the end of the, we we say this kind of a lot. Is at the end of the day, we're we're sort of a product company, but are we building our products? Or are we building products for our clients? Right. That's what we do. We're we're sort of the the product people, we're the store, we bring stories to life, we bring products to life. You know, that's, I think, a lot of what we do with all of our combined expertise, you know, is, is a big part of it, all these different disciplines that we've, we've talked about today. Um, and you know, I guess I'll jog back briefly and touch upon our origin story here, which Sebastian's probably going to do as well. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes us who we are. So, um, you know, Xperia today is, is the, the, uh, result of, of, of two companies, at least <laughs> two companies coming together. And that was, um, you know, uh, my company uh, and Sebastian's company um, and other folks we've, we've picked up along the way um, where we each kind of had half of a story sort of, right. And we, we started to work together, uh, former colleagues, but we worked together. We, we, all the people enjoyed working with each other to be able to light up that entire story, right? So one company could light up the experience and, and some of the product strategy and the front end thinking of the story. And the other company literally could do all the wonderful development and architecture and mathematics and everything that was needed to bring that, that story and that experience to life. And we figured out that there was a lot that we had in common on those stem cells. And, and then together, um, it was just so much better and so cool that we could actually end to end bring these stories to life and, and tell these stories instead of kind of each sort of being a little siloed in the parts of the stories um, and the products that, that we could could bring to life. So um, so I think of it as, you know, this, this great uh, kind of fit together to be able to really fully kind of deliver on those is, is where we sort of arrived at today, along with all the great culture things and all the wonderful people that have, have joined and the additional skill sets as we've grown and as technology has changed. And when we, we started collectively 20 years ago, there wasn't data science so much as a thing as it is today. We have data scientists, you know, day in and day out driving a lot of things and Development has evolved, UX has evolved, and, and all those things. So yeah, they're very different than you know, kind of where we started. But we all started out with a lot of the same things. I don't know, Sebastian, jump in anytime. Oh, I, I have. So I think there's, I, I think there's two kind of compact answers for me. One is the external answer, you know, now, which is, Expiro is a company that helps solve difficult problems, typically for experts by building amazing software products. And in fact, in a few areas, we have our own software products that are accelerators uh, in that endeavor. So you come to Expiro, if you're outside of us, 
because you've got a really amazing thing that you need to go build. Some cool market you can open, some university that you need to optimize, a country you're trying to defend. There's a lot of really interesting missions that are aided by technology, and we're some of the best in the business at building and delivering the imaginative software products that, that you need. That's, that's really what we do is we bring products to life. Um, there's detail, what kind of products, you know, what kind of analytics, what kind of industries. Yes, but that's really what we do at our heart. The internal answer, which I think you and I have very much in common, Lynn, is really we're just kind of building this place because we love being surrounded by like-minded, kind of smart, switched-on people and just eating tons of tasty brain food. That's really what it is internally. And so it's consulting, just like any real job. Occasionally, we get some clients where the work is not as interesting as it should be, and, and then we try to move away from them, right? We are always craving and, and asking, is the work that we're doing interesting and involved and exciting and let us learn something new or, or, or try something new? Um, and are we excited to work with the people that are here? So, you know, one of the challenges we have as a company is there's always an opportunity to go like partner with someone and hire 300 people to go glue three spreadsheets together over and over again, right? And just, there's a lot of valuable work, but not tasty brain food. So the internal answer is, I just want to keep adding more kinds of smart people to mo solve more kinds of interesting and larger problems. That's really all we're here to do. It's just so fun to do that. If, if being surrounded by smart people to solve a, a ridiculous variety of problems, sometimes for three weeks at a time, sometimes for three years at a time, is interesting, I would be remiss not to mention that we are hiring for aforementioned really smart people that want to eat really tasty brain food.